Hello and welcome to Integratus. I'm your host, Jonathan Franz. And if you are one of those curious listeners on the other end, I say thank you. This is a space where you can create a deeper connection with yourself, a space to embody a more authentic you. Along the way, I'll share the highs, the lows, the learnings and the losses of my experience in life. And in turn, I hope it helps you to open up your heart a little, to grow in extraordinary ways, and to ultimately feel inspired so you too can embrace your fears and share your gifts to the world. Welcome to Integratus. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome back. Welcome to... Welcome to the Integratus Podcast. My name is Jonathan Franz and I'm your host. And today we are... We're on episode 15. 15 weeks, ladies and gentlemen, and 15 weeks it is. <laughs> Today's Thursday. I normally record on a Monday. I have been holding out on this recording for a while. Uh, for no particular reason, just because I feel absolutely exhausted this week and everything feels like pushing shit uphill. Um, I, I'll share, you know, a little bit about what happened just under a week ago now that I feel like shifted a few things for me, but also is a catalyst for this exhaustion and this depletion and maybe just a subtle um, emptiness and sadness, like a melancholy, actually. More like a, a just a blah melancholy. I've had some good days this week. I've had some bad days. Um, and when I say good and bad, it's interesting. Even just the concept of my last episode was good and bad, right? Good and bad thinking. So easy for the mind to categorize what's good and what's bad. Look, um, I'll, I'll bring it back to an energy state. This week, I felt like I had some days that were really good energy, vibrant, um, had some great workouts, um, felt like really just grateful and joyous and calm. You know, something that I'm noticing, I, um, I'm feeling more calm these days. And when I say these days, I mean just particularly calmness is something that I'm really prioritizing now in my life because I I can see that everything comes from greater awareness comes from my ability to slow down, my ability to rest and my ability to actually be with and process my emotions. And I often found the busier I am, the more that I I do, the more things I put in the calendar, it's really easy just to like totally disregard those emotions. And it's also a fine balance because there's some days where I, I realize that I've got commitments, you know, like there's responsibilities to uphold, there's clients to see, there's a podcast to put out. Um, you know, there's just the general progress of life 
And I'm very fortunate to have space and time where if I do feel exhausted, um, I've got the space and time to take it. But not just to take it, to actually choose to take it and choose to prioritize that. So anyway, I've been quite exhausted uh, over the last week. This episode is really all about death and rebirth or birth. Often in life, it takes an incident in one's family, in a circle of friends to really prioritize what's important in life. And death, the reflection of death, being exposed to death is one of the greatest awakenings, realizations, triggers for one to realize what the hell is really important in this life when death presents itself. And I don't have the answer to that. There's, there's many things that are important and everyone has the full freedom to live their life their own way. But when death comes along or the fear of death or, or death itself passing, someone passing away, it, it's a catalyst for everyone around to think about what is really important in life, how long we have on this planet, on this planet. Not to say that there's another planet with other people on it, but hey, there might be. Um, wouldn't surprise me. And to really consider what is important in one's life. One of the, one of the most common sort of uh, reflections with people on their deathbed is that they wish they'd never worked so hard. And that's interesting to me because especially in the Western world, we're in a society where we are in the mold of work. You know, it's just a normal thing. And work is a normal thing. It's an expression of creativity. It's a way how we put food on the table. Um, it's an obligation. It, it, like, it's the whole thing. Work is really important. And work is something that can consume our entire lives rid us from those memories of joy and celebration, the spontaneous decisions, the deepening, the connection of oneself. You know, work can just be all of life. And it's interesting to me that the reflection is, I wish I didn't work so hard. So I'll just drop that in there and leave that there. Last Friday, uh, I was at my grandmother's house, my yaya's house, my Greek grandmother. And about four days prior to last Friday, she had a fall. My grandmother is 93 years old. And the, the thing that I hear a lot with elderly people having a fall is like, you know, when they have a fall, it's, it's not, it's not hopeful. You know, it takes longer to recover. The complications are more severe. Uh, the likelihood of another fall is, is, is um, more likely. And 
my grandmother had a pretty severe fall. Woke up in the middle of the night, experienced some dizziness and fell. And she hasn't known this, um, but she's actually fractured her nose. She's hit her head. She's cut her and really bruised her hand and her elbow. And she's got blood everywhere, right? And this happened at about 4 a.m. in the morning. And you know, my, my, my grandmother was born in the 1930s, right? She's, she's been through an immense amount of suffering, huge pain, loss in her life, right? And it has shaped her. It's shaped the way she behaves. It's shaped the way she thinks. It's, she, it shapes everything about her, like all of our experiences do in our life. And with that comes this very sort of old school mentality that, uh, you know, I can handle it. I can get on with this. Or the flip side is, oh, I don't want to disturb or, or be a nuisance to anyone else. Let me just sort this shit out myself. So my grandmother basically cleans up the blood and then goes back to bed. And, you know, I, in an ideal situation, she should have called someone, right? And, and one of us would have been there. And my grandmother has a carer, but she's at home. You know, she's 93 years old. She's at home. She cooks her meals. She moves around the house. She gets sun. She's vibrant. She talks to me on Facebook. Like she uses YouTube, connects it to her TV. She journals. She goes to church, reads books. Like, I mean, it's incredible to see the capability of this 93-year-old woman. And her body is like riddled with pain. Just she's worked so hard in her life on farms, being a dressmaker, you know, having to raise her own kids and then her husband's brother's kids. Like, I mean, changing states, moving from Greece. Uh, it's some big, big stuff. And she's strong and she's capable and she loves to live her life the way she does so she, so she had the fall the next morning my auntie took her to the doctors she got patched up you know my, my uh, grandmother's also on blood thinners as well and obviously being on blood thinners there's there's always an excess amount of blood like the blood's just so thin it's just basically pouring out so she got bandaged up and the appropriate care was taken and then we all were visiting her on friday last Friday. And on Friday, we're having a great conversation. She was full of energy, very vibrant, telling stories from Greece, showing us uh, the town and playing videos on YouTube and singing and having a jolly good old time. And then out of nowhere, her nose starts to bleed. And then from her nose bleeding, she starts coughing and then blood starts coming out of her mouth. And at this point, we're like, okay, something's not obviously something's not right we're thinking that there's some internal bleeding we call the ambulance and then it gets quite severe she starts coughing quite a lot of blood and you know you can see that there's some blood clots coming out of her throat and then her eye her right eye blood started coming out of her eye and this is a really like scary very confronting situation to be in um and it's really important to stay calm, but also part of me was like, holy shit, like I, I knew that my grandma wasn't going to die in that moment because I could feel that there was still some control over the situation, uh, um, but I was definitely worried. 
Anyway, got worse, got worse, coughing up blood. Finally, the ambulance come. And look, I, I want to spend a very amount, a very short amount of time around uh, my reflections in terms of the doctors, the hospital, and the ambulance. But I will reflect basically what I experienced. Um, and it wasn't good. It wasn't good at all. I don't know if you on the other end have had experience with just being in the hospital system, being in emergency care, having paramedics around you. That was really my first experience. And I don't, I'm not saying that this is all like that. I've heard that, you know, there are definitely troubles and, and all these different types of demands in the hospital system. But that was my first real experience. Anyway, so my grandmother is on her chair. Uh, she's got blood coming out of her nose, her her mouth, she's coughing. We've got tissues, bowls, blood everywhere. And now there's blood coming out of her eye. And two paramedics come in. Um, and, I, and I understand that they're, they're sort of taught to move slow and stay calm and all that sort of stuff. But literally at a snail's pace, kind of walk in towards her and obviously can see the blood. And then um, one of the ladies who was sort of the head paramedic, and she probably would have been about 20, 22 years old. Uh, she said, in some sort of like condescending, jovial term, as she was walking to my grandmother, she says, oh, what do we have here? A little nosebleed, do we? And in that moment, I felt rage. And I looked at her and everyone looked at her and we were, I was just so shocked. And I looked at her and I said, she's bleeding from the mouth, the nose and the eye. It's been like this for the last 25, 30 minutes. What's the plan? And, um, and there was just like this really kind of, okay, well, it seems like now that she's bleeding from the eye, it seems like we need to, she's having, you know, some sort of internal bleeding. Uh, we need to block the nose, you know, to save, to stop the, the blood from coming up temporarily for about 20 minutes. Uh, okay, so I was like, great. So she, and she asked me to hold the nose. So I was holding the nose. And then she turned around to me and said, do you have an ice pack? And I just thought like, and at this point I'm a 10 out of 10, like internal rage. Um, and I said, do you have an ice pack? And, and she just looked at me and she just was like confused. And then she went to go and check. And I was like, this is the, this is appalling. Anyway, we're there. My yaya, so my Greek grandmother, my yaya, that's what I call her. Um, she's not having a good time at all. Like it's, it's bad. And I am saying, I'm literally looking her into the eyes and say, can you please tell me what the next step is? Okay, so we just need to stop the bleeding. And then what's the next step? Um, after that, we're just going to wait for a little bit. I'm like, I think we need to get her to hospital now. Can we do that? And she's like, oh, okay, yeah, I think that's a good idea. And I was like, oh my God, what is happening here? Anyway, so long story short, we got her into the ambulance. I went into the ambulance. My mum and my auntie drove to Westmead Hospital. We got into Westmead Hospital. And um, my yaya has got blood coming out everywhere. I've been holding her nose now for about 25 minutes. The blood stopped, right? Uh, she stopped coughing up blood. So I let go of the nose for about five or 10 minutes. And then the blood starts again. And we're in a corridor. 
sort of in this emergency section, but not really. And no one, no one is doing anything. We're just waiting. And it got to a point where it got really, really bad. And, and this is this point I actually thought my yaya was going to die because she was coughing up uh, blood clots, maybe half the size of a golf ball, if not a little bit larger than that. And as soon as that sort of intensity arrived, that's when people started to make a decision and, and move things along. And even from there, it just got worse and worse and worse. They said, oh, we're only allowed to take one person in to the, this room. And so I was like, okay, I'm in. Because I just felt like, originally I thought my mum was going to go, but something in my gut, my mum was like, nah, you go. And so I went. Uh, and I, I'm thank God I went because, again, it just got, it went from worse to worse. I had no idea who the doctor was. People were like just wander, wandering around and not really being specific and really, really chill. Like so, so chill. And um, I was, I was, I was agitated, man. I was so frustrated. And just one more example of like really poor, poor performance. Um, they had to transfer her from the emergency bed to the actual resuscitation bed we're in the resuscitation room at this point and i'm thinking my grandmother's going to die and there's this one uh nurse i don't know what you call the the male nurses are they nurses as well i'm not sure but anyway there is a male nurse um and he's on the other side of the bed trying to get my grandmother off her, her bed and onto this other bed and he was like with the most flimsiest grip trying to grip her from the shoulders and somehow get her onto the bed and there was another another male nurse on the other side sort of pushing her and rolling her to the side and I looked at him and I'm, I there is absolutely no way that they could have got my yaya from that bed to the other bed without her falling in the gap if they were going to shuffle her um and it just wouldn't happen at that point i kicked into gear and i got up in fact i was standing i was very close to them i got i went straight to them i got in between the two beds i looked at this guy right in the eye and i said tell me what you are doing there was no communication, zero communication between anyone, no one. There was no talking between any of the people. There was no communication. I was flabbergasted, absolutely flabbergasted. And he says, oh, we're trying to get her to this bed. And I said, it's not going to work the way you're doing it now. And he says, oh, we need to shuffle her. I said, the shuffling is not going to work. She's got blood everywhere. She's got really bad bones in her shoulder. Let's pick her up and take her to this bed. And the guy just looked at me with like, kind of like, oh, what are you doing here? And I just looked at and I just said, three, two, one. And miraculously, everyone just put their hands underneath my yaya, picked her up and put her onto the bed. And then it was done. And... And, I, and then I was like, who's the doctor? <laughs> like this, I am like, who is the doctor? And, and the doctor comes in as I'm the doctor. And I was like, finally, can you tell me what you're doing, when you're doing it and why you're doing it every single step of the way? 
And as soon as I brought that level of urgency to this situation, he was like, oh, okay, cool. And he kicked into gear. And then everyone kicked into gear. And basically my yaya coughed up a huge amount of blood, this blood clot the size of a golf ball. And then after that, the blood stopped. Um, he put a gauze up her nose and did the following requirements. And, and you know, it was okay. It was okay. But fuck me dead. It was the most appalling situation I've ever been in. Anyway, went to another room, you know, said the doctor's going to be there in an hour. Six hours later, doctor still doesn't arrive. I leave. I go home. My mum and my auntie stay overnight. Next morning, doctor still hasn't arrived. Nurse comes in. Have you seen the doctor yet? No, we haven't seen the doctor yet. And she goes, oh, I think another nurse told um, the doctor that you went home. My, my yaya went home. And, and I heard this and I was like, dude, look, I have an immense amount of respect, an immense amount of gratitude for what these people do, Right? It's, it's remarkable that they choose these careers. They're extremely noble, right? My heart goes out to them. And what I experienced over those two days, really, you know, 12 hours, was appalling. And... I went out to the waiting room so many times and I could just see a stack of people waiting for hours and hours and hours and hours. And look, I just thought like, this is, this is insane. Like we live in Sydney, Australia. Like what's going on? And look, it's easy for me to say, and I'm sure there's incredible help out there. I'm, of course there is. But what I experienced was everything but that, you know, and these paramedics with there were kids. Like she was 22 years old. The other guy was, would be 19. I think I asked him. He said he was 19. They were kids. You know, and, and one moment I never forget, and like there's still a bit of heat around this moment. Mike, we got to a really, really bad situation before we were in the resuscitation area. And um, this lady, the two paramedics, I was holding my yaz nose the majority of the time. And then they ch changed over. And she started coughing up a lot of blood. They had glasses on. I had blood on my face, I had blood on, you know, on my shirt, everywhere. And they, she was coughing up blood. And as they were holding the nose and my ER was coughing, this woman was flinching. She was moving away. And it's like, you know, when you don't want to get a certain thing on you, so you flinch and you're like, you're just really conscious and careful that you don't want to get dirty. And you don't, it was that. And man, I was in and out of like internal rage that whole entire time because I'm thinking to myself, if you don't want to get blood on this uniform, you're wearing the wrong uniform. You're in the wrong job. And, I, and like, I'm not blaming her. I'm not blaming anyone. Look, parts of me are angry and parts of me are really sad. But like without them them being there without this system in place, my ER probably would have died. So at the same time, I feel internal rage. I'm also so grateful. And you want to know what's really surprising? <laughs> um, 
and and it just it puts a lot into perspective for me and it also just shows me how amazing my grandmother is how incredible this 93 year old woman is whilst i am in you know a fit of rage internal fit of rage in the ambulance you know at her house in the hospital in the resuscitation area like there was just so much shit around me that was triggering me i remember a moment where i was like 10 out of 10 triggered right i was in the back of the ambulance I'm like, put the bloody sirens on. But I understand that, you know, you, you don't put the sirens on unless it's fatal and yada, yada. <laughs> and I'm sitting there and my my grandmother has, has just coughed up an enormous amount of blood, blood coming out of her nose, her eye. She's in the ambulance, she's on the stretcher. And she starts talking to this paramedic like she's her best friend. You know, she's talking about, you know, are you married? Do you have a partner? Where are you from? What's your background? You know, have you ever gone to Greece or Europe? She's offering her house in Europe. Oh, you've got to come to my village. And 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 all of this, she's talking about me, her grandson. And very. I'm a very special boy. And, you know, I'm, I'm waiting. I'm not going to die until he gets married. I mean, I mean, it could happen unless that special one is around the corner like literally tomorrow, but, uh, you know, she's just in, she's just spreading joy and she's making people laugh. And it, it just brought so much perspective to me because I'm like, here I am in the back of this ambulance. I've, nothing's wrong with me. Like nothing. I don't have blood coming out of my fucking eyeballs, right? I'm just slightly agitated frustrated, triggered, physically fine. And I am the one in in my own suffering, right? And I just thought that was so interesting to me. And I only that only came a couple of days later. I, I, you know, when my anger and the frustration started to subside, I thought to myself, wow, look how incredible this woman is. She was the one dealing with the blood clot. She was the one coughing up blood, snorting out blood with tubes and rods and things up her nose, bruises, fractured nose. Like she's the one in pain. And here she is bringing joy and laughter to the people around her. And that, that floored me. That absolutely floored me. And it's a moment that I'll never forget. So yes, you know, parts of me are triggered and yes, the the situation could have been a lot better and blah, blah, blah and all this sort of stuff. But the, the thing to really take from that was that even in these moments of great pain and great suffering, one can still give joy. One can still spread light. And it woke me up. It really woke me up. So this whole situation got me thinking about life, got me thinking about death. So I'm making this episode today just to presence life and death in your life right now. To presence time with loved ones, with elders, if they're still around. You know, to hug them, to be able to share the stories 
you know, my yaya gave me her cross because uh, she had to take it off for the the x-rays that they needed to take. And, um, you know, it was the cross that her father got from his grandfather. And I'm now looking at that cross. She gave it to me. Um, at PS, my grandmother's still alive and she's at a hospital and she's doing better. She's extremely bruised. Um, but you know, she's eating again. She's moving again. She's out in the sun. She's at home. She's got good care around her and she's back to being, you know, her joyful self and sharing and talking and, and having, um, just, she's writing a lot as well and she's reading. You know, I'm going to go visit her on Friday and say hi again. And it's like, she's doing okay, right? She's doing okay. But I also know that she'll pass away soon and she won't be there in my life anymore. And this woman was the, the woman that raised me from practically from when I was born to about five years old. My parents were very, very busy. They ran charcoal chicken shops and, you know, my mom and dad were around, but it was my yaya that looked after me. She cared for me. She nurtured me. And this is actually a big reason, I believe, why I am the way I am. She's extremely spiritual, very connected woman. And I feel like I got that at such a young age. Um, it created a lot of love and connection. And I think it also created a lot of uh, dissonance and separation from my actual parents. And I think those wounds catalyzed further and further along my younger child years and also my teenage years and it's not stuff that I can conceptually understand it's just it's in my body it lives in my body so look get in touch with a loved one tell them that you love them give them a hug celebrate their life, be around their wisdom because it won't be here forever and you won't be here forever as well. So life and death, life and rebirth. Uh, a couple episodes ago, I talked about a program that I'm doing at the moment called the Dream Arc and it's all about decoding wisdom from animals and your dreams and there is a codex that's part of this program a codex of 192 animals with their their guidance their meaning their their mythical um sort of standing in culture like what cultures give what meanings to these animals and there's like a contemplation part of it too and lately, uh, the crow has been coming. There's a crow that comes to this little water fountain right in front of my house. It's actually in my house. Um, it's a little sort of atrium water fountain in the front yard. And in the last three weeks, this crow has been coming. It hasn't come before. I've noticed it uh, come in the last three weeks. So I'm, I'm constantly in tune with with what animals are resurfacing in my dreams, but also in my in my waking life. And so I looked up the crow and funny enough, the crow is all about death and rebirth. And I'd like to read you, uh, I'd like to read you the, the codex 
you know, the, the meaning and the guidance from the crow to wrap up this podcast. Okay. Now, the crow is a vision key, just to put that out there. And the category is a trickster. So there's many different categories inside of these animals, but the crow is a trickster, right? It's a funny bugger. It, won't, it plays games. It's cheeky. It's mischievous. Now I'll read the guidance. I am crow. I am the great master of the passages between death and rebirth. Your legends have tended to focus, as often human legends do, on the dark side of my nature, which is, I believe, rather unfair. I am a carrion bird, living symbiotically with other creatures, particularly the wolf and the coyote, to clean the carcasses of the dead so that they can fully embrace the next life. If I have hopped into your life now, then I am an invitation to you to consider the subject of rebirth and death. Where were you before this life? Go on a journey to seek out the memory of some of your past lives. Open up the doorway of your future lives in whatever dimension they may be. We all are immortal. Time is the great illusion. Contemplate this truth. Be with the wisdom of the dying. Be with the wisdom of the newborns. The next great stage of humanity is to remember the beautiful truth that hides behind death so that you can transcend your deepest fear. I just want to highlight that part again. The next stage of humanity is to remember the beautiful truth that hides behind death, so that you can transcend your deepest fear. There is a truth behind death that we all must look at. To continue, Long ago, in your most distant memory before the Great Fall, I was a white bird. I had a soft-voiced call, as humans and all nature's creatures chose to forget their divine origins, so we changed. Those ugliest among us were paradoxically once the most beautiful. Contemplate the secret myth of the white crow. Apply it to your fellow beings. Apply it to, your, apply it to anything that appears in a negative light. Always that which appears darkest is truly the brightest underneath. Say that again, always that which appears darkest is truly the brightest underneath. Thus have I long been named for a trickster. Penetrate these mysteries and aptly and apply them in your everyday life. Open your heart to the secrets of my people and then like us, you, can, you too can have the last laugh. I just also want to read out the meaning um, and what the crow symbolizes. The crow is a symbol deeply associated with mischief and magic. Those with crow as a spirit being have to tread the delicate balance between these two realms. And as a symbol, crow demands a deep acceptance of the dark side of one's nature. Coupled with a particular need to understand and embrace death, the immortality that is the reward of this symbol is the transcendence of fear and the delighting in the great sense of freedom and adventure that is to be found in the present moment. People of the crow symbol are people who have discovered the great secret of inner light, and they will always find this light hidden within their own shadows. You know, 
signs are everywhere. It's up to us as individuals and spirit beings to decode them. And that's part of the fun. That's part of the awakening. That's part of one's awareness. So, death and rebirth. You know, in that little, uh, that meaning section, the guidance, sorry, it says we are all immortal. And as I keep following this path, I see that death and rebirth are not so separate. It's the cycle of life. And something that I've heard before is you could say that death, like our last breath that we take is someone's first breath when they're born. And it's like this beautiful paradox of one's last breath transferring over to one's first breath. And what if they're, what if they're not so separate? I know, I know I'm kind of getting a little bit esoterical here and, and somewhat woo-woo, but fuck it, to be honest. Um, look, I'm, the more and more I start to move closer to a deeper connection with myself, I see that one, we're not, we're not separate, right? And I also see that we are, like I, my body will die like my body will fade but my spirit will transcend my spirit will go somewhere else and that's where i truly believe i believe in past lives i've really been feeling into some past lives like who was i before this life like 150 years ago what was my spirit like if i was to envision myself am i a warrior am i a hunter am i a king am i a queen you know, and am I, am I an alchemist? Like, am I in the desert? Like, what is it? Like, what do you really feel like when it comes to your past life? And it's fun. It's just an exploration. So death and rebirth, they're not separate. And for us to really be immortal, that means we come back. Our spirit lives on. And I believe my spirit will live on. And I also believe your spirit will live on too. So what you see in this 3D world might be your last life, in quotation marks, but where you go from here on in, when you shut the doors of this 3D world, who knows? Only you get to decide, only you get to believe. Peace out. Have a great time. Go hug your loved ones. Go be around the elders. Find the wisdom. Decode the... The beautiful signs that come into your life. Peace, love, and unity. Bye. Already enough. Ooh, ooh, ooh.